Hey, we got a bonus episode for you today. This week, we're talking all about basketball. Stay tuned to find out why. Welcome to Manufacturing Happy Hour, the podcast where we get real about the latest trends and technologies impacting modern manufacturers. Manufacturing Happy Each week, we interview industry experts that are at the top of their craft and give you the tools, tactics and strategies you need to take your career and your business to the next level. And now your host, Chris Lukey. Hey, I hope you're ready for a fun and slightly different week here at Manufacturing Happy Hour, because today we're talking all about leadership, business, and marketing lessons that folks can learn from the 2021 NBA champion Milwaukee Bucks. For context, unless you've been living under a rock, on July 20th, the Milwaukee Bucks won their first NBA title in 50 years. And as someone that recently moved back to Milwaukee in October of 2020, I've been paying close attention. But to say that I am a lifelong Bucks fan would be a lie. So today, rather than doing a typical interview like we do with a manufacturing leader, this is going to be more of a two-way conversation with my friend Richie Burke. Now, Richie is a lifelong Milwaukee guy. He is also the founder of Go Get It Marketing and Media. He's also a fellow podcaster, host of the Go Getters podcast. If you want to find out more about his agency or his podcast, you can head to ggmm.io. Go Get It Marketing and Media is a company that does podcast production, digital advertising, marketing automation, web designs, brand strategy, you name it. Anything that makes your brand pop to the right people. But Richie, being a lifelong Bucks fan, I had planned on doing this episode originally discussing some marketing lessons, some leadership lessons you can pull from the team and the Bucks organization. But honestly, I thought it would be a lot more fun to have this conversation. So called Richie up and here we are. We've got an episode coming out for you this Tuesday covering the Milwaukee Bucks and what you can learn from them as a manufacturing leader. Now, just so you have some idea of what's ahead, this episode really takes place in two parts. First, we're going to be discussing branding lessons. This goes beyond the logo and the type of things that really resonate with your customer audience as well as the product that you're making. So branding is part one, drawing parallels between the Bucks as well as what you might be doing in your manufacturing business. And then we'll talk about leadership lessons. Now, this is the second half of the interview, but throughout the whole conversation, we also uh, have some fun and reference some of our favorite playoff moments as two folks that were very involved in spectating throughout the Bucks NBA Finals run. If you're just joining this episode, if this is the first time you're here in Manufacturing Happy Hour and you have fun today and you enjoy the episode and you get something out of it, please feel free to leave a five-star rating and review over at Apple Podcasts. You can get there by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash iTunes. It'll take you right there, and your rating and review does not need to be more than a couple sentences. So if you enjoy the episode, consider doing that. But honestly, I don't want to keep you here any longer. It's time to meet up with Richie and talk Bucks basketball. Three, two, one. Rock and roll. Rock and roll. Bucks in six. Bucks in six. Bucks did it in six. Past tense now. Well, hey, you know, before we jump into this, I feel like the only appropriate way to start, we want to talk about leadership lessons, business lessons we can pull from from the Bucks. But the first question really has to be, at what moment did you know the Bucks were going to win the championship? Like, paint the picture of that for me. 
I, I knew they would win when they won game five in Phoenix. Yeah. When that was coming down. There, w- there was no way that they were going to come home for game six with 65,000 people outside the arena in the Pfizer Forum packed with 17,000 people and lose that game. They had all the momentum at that point. They had reeled off three in a row. I did, I did not know they were going to win or think they were going to win after the first two games. Mm-hmm. But uh, sports is a game of momentum like a lot of things in life, and they just had it. And I would have been they – got, they got off to a pretty rocky start in game six, but there was never a moment where I thought they were actually going to lose that game. I think I was in the same boat, actually. The, uh, the valley oop, as they call it. Stealing the ball, Drew passing it to Giannis with that unbelievable uh, alley oop there at the end, which obviously goes down in history now. I think I was in the same boat. Because that was the mo- I, I, right before that moment, I'm like, we're going to have to play seven games if we want to do this now. Yeah, yeah. Gian- Giannis had a couple just iconic mo- moments. There was that alley oop, and then that block on Aiton where he was guarding Booker and Booker threw an alley oop and then he shifted over to Aiton who's seven foot two and a freak athlete as well and swatted it in in midair when he was trying to dunk it I mean that that was insane that was I don't believe that was in game five but that was game four right before iconic moments in every game that's kind of the nice thing about those playoffs and and as someone that's I guess was primarily a hockey fan before this like I, I still felt confident the Bucks were going to do it in six after the first two games. I'm like, they need to win game three, but if they can do that, I feel better about this. Hockey, it's more back and forth. Like, but basketball, I feel like you can go on a tear. Like, yeah, uh, like you, the Bucks you can go on a tear. Tends to be a little bit more predictable. Not not totally predictable, as we saw in this postseason, but yeah. Well, we might be some of the last people qualified to do basketball analysis on this, but that's really not why we're here today also. We're talking about leadership lessons, marketing lessons we can pull from the Bucks, their championship run, and really to, to kick things off. I, I first thought about talking about this topic on my show, Manufacturing Happy Hour, originally, because I'm like, you know what? I feel like there's a lot that manufacturing leaders or leaders in general can learn from what the Bucks have done from just a brand standpoint and a product standpoint. And, and maybe we'll start there. Before we get into the leadership lessons from the championship itself, from that run, I'd be curious, because like, I started paying attention to the Bucks in 2015 when they did their re- rebrand. And I thought that was tremendously cool, where all of a sudden, let's say a team that had kind of an old-fashioned looking brand was starting to look modern and slick and exciting and something that really complimented Milwaukee. You know, they changed the colors, cream city colors going along with that. The the third color blue to complement the lake. Like it felt local. It felt cool all of a sudden. But in my book, that's only the starting point for marketing. You got to have a product and you got to have a community that goes along with it. So that's my initial thought about it. I mean, what's been your take as a lifelong Bucks fan on what we've seen with the organization for, let's say, the past like seven or so years as things have been changing and evolving? Yeah, well, you, you saw a lot of the same for maybe a decade before the last seven years, which was just wallowing in mediocrity, a perennial eight seed, not much excitement around the team in the city. They couldn't even sell out their playoff games. It was $1,000 for a standing room only ticket to the finals game with 65,000 people outside the arena. They couldn't even give away tickets to playoff games, even in the 2010s. And so so the impression of the Bucks was just, and I, I kind of enjoyed going to those games because it was fun and I could go on Vivid Seats or StubHub and pay 
100 200 bucks and get courtside club sure. tickets an hour before the game i do miss doing that a mm-hmm. little bit mm-hmm. and i have a hard time paying that same price to be in the upper deck now but um yeah not not a lot of support from the city not a lot of excitement not a lot of buzz and then when the new owners bought the team uh, lazary edens diamond um you know lazary's son alex Laz- mark lazary's son alex lazary plays a big role as well who's been on this show several times good guy good guy here in milwaukee and um you know they bought the team and when they bought it i was kind of excited and i think everyone was also skeptical too like who are these new yorkers coming into mm-hmm. into milwaukee or they what what are, what are they going to do what's going to happen there was talk about are the bucks going to be able to build the new arena are they going to get the approval are they going to get the funds what's what's going to happen are these guys ultimately going to try and move the team even though herb cole didn't want them to move the team because it's rare a city like milwaukee at that point in time could have an NBA franchise, a viable NBA franchise. Mm-hmm. And I will say the New York guys came in and they said they wanted to build a contender in five years, I think. It took six, but everyone rolled their eyes at that. But those guys weren't fucking around yeah. at all. Yeah, They went all in. They built the new stadium. That Deer District, which I'm sure everyone who's listening has at least seen the aerial shots and the drone shots and being down at ground zero was exactly what it looked like on tv that whole area there was literally nothing there you'd walk from third street to the bradley center and it's it's unfathomable that you know eighty thousand people would have gathered in one spot to watch the milwaukee bucks even three four five years ago so hats off to the the new york ownership we needed some of that new york money and energy and confidence to pump into the city so it's really great to see and then even the excitement outside the bucks area we were talking to one of our clients who's a who's a manufacturer the other the other day who lives in a suburb like 30 minutes away and she was saying she was shocked people were driving around honking their horns shooting off fireworks in new berlin too mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. if you would have told me that would have been happening to the milwaukee bucks five years ago i I would not have believed it but those guys went all in they got involved in the community they really got ingrained the community they've developed certain areas of the community Mm -hmm. and the rebrand the refresh the new arena like they've built a world-class facility and a world-class organization in milwaukee where as i said before it was just kind of something happening that wallowed in mediocrity for for decades several decades probably about Mm -hmm. three decades before that other than like 99 2000 2001 they almost made the finals and they had a good team with ray allen and then um george carl ran him out of town which wasn't great but you know it it was it was a very quick flash but yeah yeah it's just cool cool to see the city come together well for me it's interesting because i just moved back in october so i've been here all of like nine months after it's been a decade since i've lived here in milwaukee and one of the most noticeable transformations if you look at the community is I don't see as much Packers and Brewers gear right now. Everyone's decked out in Bucks gear. Like, no one, you would never see any Bucks gear at all. Mm-hmm. Even in the Bradley Center during games, yeah. maybe like 
twenty percent of people were wearing Bucks gear, and yeah, now you see it on the street. That's an interesting point you bring up. It was all Packers mm-hmm. and some Brewers. Well, I think you know when I was here, I was in school at Marquette from two thousand five to two thousand nine, and that was like Marquette's heyday for basketball. So add that. I, with I, the mi- fact I that- miss those days. Hopefully, yeah. Shaka will bring some of that back. <laughs> yeah, we could probably do a whole other episode on Marquette basketball, but we'll we'll stick to Bucks today. But I mean, couple that with historic teams like the Brewers and the Packers, and then the fact that we had a good basketball team in Marquette at that point like it was easy to forget about the Bucks and I think you brought up some some great points about getting involved in the community you know the things they've done from the team and just seeing the team get involved in the community and we're not just talking like getting out there hanging out with fans like they're involved in social justice efforts I mean it's like non-superficial stuff yeah a lot of social justice efforts a lot of other organizations and charities that need help in the area hiring low-income people and people who need jobs for the arena and the construction and like going out of their way to make sure all of that happens and they're providing the right jobs to the mm-hmm. right people they, they've done they've done a lot of good things mm-hmm. in addition to the community aspect i think if i'm if i'm looking at the bucks kind of this three-prong aspect if i'm a marketing leader that's listening to this episode like i think one we talked about at the start bucks did the rebrand mid to mid 2015 it was so. right it was right after they bought the team Right. Yeah. So that came there. But with any rebrand, because I think about Burger King as well, because I was seeing some people talking about on Twitter where Burger King just rebranded. They're like, well, you know, that's great. Like the new branding looks more modern and everything. It looks more fitting for the brand. But if they don't complement that with their product, like that's meaningless. And we've talked about, I, I think, of the three things when I think of the Bucks and their branding and marketing. Not only is it the literal like branding itself, the image, the logo, we talked about the community, how important that is. Because if I'm a marketing leader listening to this or a business leader in general, I'm thinking, how do I engage my community, my customer base, et cetera? And then I'm thinking about the product as well, which for the Bucks, that's the Encore product, which they had Giannis in what 2013 but you, we've we've all seen the photo by now of like the side by side of him in 2013 versus him now so that's kind of the third piece of the puzzle I, I want to hear what you think of that as well about the team in general team in general but it looked like you had another point you wanted to jump in there with well so for the team yeah they did have Giannis in 2013 they had Middleton in 2013 but people forget that Giannis was playing in some Euro League in Greece that no one had heard of and he looked like he was 6'11 130 pounds and he just he was a complete project and Middleton was maybe a year or two removed from the G League Mm -hmm. I think Middleton's the first all-star ever whoever got his start in the G League so they had some work to do John Hammond drafted Giannis John Horst has since taken over the front office and the Bucks ownership, again, they're not afraid to put their money where their mouth is. They went out, they've, they acquired Drew Holiday in the offseason. They tried to get Bogdan Bogdanovich. They, they've, they've made moves where the organization in the past, you would see them kind of be satisfied with being a perennial eighth seed, and that wouldn't build a lot of excitement because we knew what would happen every season. But, yeah, the whole Giannis effect has been huge. Re-signing Giannis was huge. And then they've got a, a just a good, likable cast of characters and good role players around mm-hmm. Giannis, Chris, and Drew yeah. as well. And they're a likable group of guys. And yeah. And the reason I bring that up is like if I'm trying to pull, like if I'm a business owner or if I've got my own manufacturing company, whatever it is for our respective audiences, you know, I'm thinking of when I think of marketing, I think a lot of people just think of, oh, I need to be on social media more. I need a new brand. I need a new image, whatever it is. And I just think 
it's important to think of like this three-prong approach that I see with the Bucks when it comes to your audience, your community, when it comes to the product, the team, then when it comes to like what the image itself looks mm-hmm. like as well. So anything you would add to that? Because I do have some leadership questions for you coming up next. No, I think, I think you're spot on. The community, again, companies like to, people like to support local. And I think when the New Yorkers rolled in, the Bucks didn't feel so much like a local franchise anymore necessarily mm-hmm. since the money was coming from elsewhere. But they did such a good job of ingraining themselves in the community and building that trust, which is another key aspect of branding. Obviously, people need to trust you to buy from you. And I think they did a great job of that. The product, they were committed to putting the best product they could out there. You just look at even the in-game entertainment to the arena, to everything. They brought a first-class experience that Milwaukee hadn't seen before in sports to the city. So they've been they've been nailing things outside of the personnel as well. So they've done they've done a very good job on that. I love that you brought up trust as well cuz that's something I neglected to bring in cuz especially with the Bucks when you see ownership come in from out of town, like that gets people antsy. And there like, were a lot of question marks <laughs> at that point in time. We didn't know if we were going to still have a team. We didn't know if the arena would get passed. We thought the Bucks might be moving to Seattle and I was going to say, just talk to everyone in Seattle about what happens when Oklahoma City (laughs) ownership comes in and buys your team. So different topic for another day. But no, I I think that was a good, good synopsis of that good summary around this. I do have some leadership related topics. But before we go into that, I've got to ask another like Bucks run uh, personal question for you. Where was one of the most memorable spots you watched one of the games throughout uh, throughout the series? I mean, the the Deer District, clearly, I didn't go down there every time because it was just mayhem it's a madhouse yeah yeah sometimes i like to sit at a bar and have a drink and watch the game in peace without without it being like a matter rave or something like that but it was so cool to see that on espn just the drone footage and then to be there and experience it i did not get to any of the playoff games this year unfortunately Mm -hmm. that would have been a, a cool experience um yeah i mean just just at bars with friends was it was cool and then even we were at points east um for the finals game with some buddies and even like walking down brady street after i've never seen brady street shut down like no cars allowed on it except for brady street festival which they typically have once a year and the whole street was blocked off people were just drinking and celebrating and dancing in the streets and shooting off fireworks from god knows where and sure you don't you won't forget (laughs) that right yeah so it was cool to see yeah, you're right about the Deer District. You know, 10 years ago, probably would have been there every game. Like, no problem. Exactly, but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and since I don't drink during the week, like, yeah, yeah going to the Deer District sober was not the, the funnest thing. It was still cool to see, but... I, I did go... Yeah. So I did go to one of the games. It was like game one of the very first series against yeah. the Heat. Like, got a ticket the night before. One of my buddies called me up. I'm like, sure, you know, I want to see Jimmy Butler. He's a Marquette alum, see the Bucks in the playoffs. But it wasn't the same type of energy there was no. once they got later. And the one night I did go to the Deer District, it was when uh, it was the first night Giannis was out. Actually, it was against the Hawks. I think it was Game Five, Eastern Conference Finals. The night everyone was chanting "Bobby, Bobby," I think for like one of the one of the first times where it really became a thing at that love point. Bobby. <laughs> I mean, it was great, great energy. But we didn't go in until like halfway through it because we brought our own drinks and you can't bring those in. So it's like, ah, oh, we'll just start the game in the park and listen to it on the radio. And I think for me, at my age of thirty-four. Like the second half during game five was enough to like get the vibe of uh, the Deer District, but 100% totally memorable. But it's summertime here in Milwaukee. I think my most memorable game might have been sitting in my friend's backyard having the TV up. That was game five against uh, um, game five of the finals, where like we talked about at the start, the Valley Oop took place and 
just seeing that play being so convinced Booker was going to drive to the basket and like send, you know, take game five and have us have to go to seven if we wanted to win. Just seeing that turn of events and the reaction of like the 12 of us that were back there, never will forget that. Yeah. So, all right, man. Well, we, we wanted to do this to riff about the Bucks as much as we wanted to provide some constructive value. So, you know, next question, going into the leader top, leadership topics. I was pulling some, some nuggets that I pulled from uh, some quotes. Let's put it that way. Some quotes that came out of the finals run. And I want to ask you maybe, what's, what's one of your first impressions, first leadership lessons maybe you pulled from the Bucks during this series? Do you, do you have that Giannis quote? I do. That's that's the one at the top of the list. Do you want me to read it first? Why don't you read it? Because I don't want to butcher it, and that's what I was going to go to. Sure. Because it's really good, whether it's in business or sports or life. Mm-hmm. I figured this might be the crux of our conversation, so here we go. When you focus on your past, that's your ego. When you focus on your future, that's your pride. When you focus on the present, that's humility. So I'll let you take it from here. It's so important because that's all you can control. So many people spend so much of their life in the past. It's like we have, I think it's we have 70,000 thoughts a day and it's something like 80% of them are negative and 80% of them are from the mm-hmm. past or whatever. And mm-hmm. you can't create your future when you're thinking about your past. Right. All you can control right now is the present. And it's very hard as an athlete or as a business person to just let the past go because a lot of shit happened in the past and it haunts all of us to a certain extent on maybe we could have made this decision better or done this better or, or whatever, but all we can control is the present. And then it's hard not to get overly caught up and excited about the future. You should have a good future vision for yourself. I think it's very helpful to visualize what you want to have happen, whether it's in sports, I still play some competitive golf and that can be mm-hmm. important or in business to map out what you want to succeed. But you can't really get lost in that too. Like the present is is all you have and not a lot of people do a good job of spending time in the present. And you look at Giannis in particular and he just kept coming. I mean, mm-hmm. some of what he did was embarrassing. I played high school basketball. If I, if I airballed a free throw, mm-hmm. I would have been embarrassed and not wanted to go back to the line. I would have been embarrassed if I airballed a free throw in grade school basketball. He's on the biggest stage getting paid... I think $50 million a year with his new contract and he's out there airballing free throws and he doesn't give a shit. He's still mm-hmm. going to the hole. He's mm-hmm. still coming. He still believes in himself. And there's something very, very powerful to be said about that. And then finally it clicked and he went 16 for 18, I believe, or 17 for 19 in in the finals game. Yeah, He just kept coming. And you look at Ben Simmons who didn't want the basketball in his hand on the Sixers or Giannis could have played much more timid, but he only has one gear and he has just this incredible belief in himself and the ability to put the past behind him and have that short-term memory, which is very important in in sports and in business, I think, and just focus on the present to get to the future that he desires. I like the way you summarize that because I was going to bring up his free throw performance during that last game too. Like he overcame one of his biggest hurdles when it mattered most in that game. Giannis shot 58% from the line in the series. And that includes Mm -hmm. his last game where he shot 90%. So before that is probably around 50 or 58% in the playoffs. He shot 18% from three point, which was terrible. I yelled at the TV every time he took a jump <laughs> shot or shot a three-pointer because it's a terrible shot. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but on the other side, 
I admire his self-confidence and his belief in himself and the fact that he wasn't going to back down no matter what and he was going to put the team on his back as best as he could and he dropped 50 points in, in a finals game and was the first person to, to do that. I think one guy, I'm blanking on his name, did it like in the 50s. Sure. And that, that was it. I, I just thought it was pretty incredible to um, have him take away like one of Phoenix's biggest weapons there in the last game too because they could foul him and be like, hey, he might only make one of them. <laughs> and then it's like, well, what do we do now? He's going to make all these shots. It was, so, it was funny <laughs> watching that video of him in the parade yesterday where he was just yeah. mocking himself and holding the ball for 10 seconds and then shot it into the crowd but were, were you able to get down there for the parade i, I did not i had that uh i had that state am tournament monday tuesday oh, okay. which got me behind on on work and i was working during the parade but I, I was so convinced it was gonna be like saturday like to make it easier and then i'm like oh it's thursday i'm gonna need to move yeah they, they always do those things like right right after did you make it down I, I did, and here's how, because I didn't have to move a single meeting. I had a gap between, like, 11 a.m. and noon. I'm like, I'm just going to do my run. Just I'm going to park. Just, oh, I'm, nice. Yeah, I, I parked, like, a mile and a half away, so I ran a mile and a half there, got some, you know, got to see it, got to get some pictures, and then experienced it, ran a mile and a half back, and that was it. That was, that was I was, I was sitting at my desk at yeah. noon sweating for uh, for my next meeting after that. In, in the the other thing, the other leadership thing I want to bring up, which is actually Suns related, is if you watch Monty Williams, their mm-hmm. coach, in his, in I thought his defensive scheme was bad. It didn't change. Like the recipe to stop Giannis is to build a wall, and he just kept putting Aiton on him one on one. And he, I don't think Monty made the correct adjustments. But if you look mm-hmm. at him from just a messaging and leadership standpoint after they lost that game five in Phoenix and he's in the locker room and you know, he's just saying everything he wants on the other side of heart or whatever that message was, he remained very positive. And I know after they lost game six and he did his press conference, an emotional press conference, he went in the locker room and congratulated the bucks. And I think that just showed a lot of class and humility on his part. So I I know we're just going to talk about bucks, but I didn't want, (laughs) I didn't want that to be swept completely under the rug either no it's funny that's the second quote i have on here was when go. monty will I, I couldn't leave it out man that's that's another great example of humility uh humility so just just for those listening that might not know this specifically monty williams coach the suns went in the bucks locker room after game six in the middle of the celebration and he said i just wanted to come and congratulate you guys as a man and a coach um you guys deserve it i'm thankful for the experience you guys made you guys made me a better coach you made us a better team congratulations well, and you you look at business too, and whether you're in sales or you're an entrepreneur or you're running a company, you're going through a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. You're getting punched mm-hmm. in the mouth. You're taking a lot of losses if you're trying to do something big, whether it's in business or athletics. And it's like you you lose that deal, something goes wrong, you make an HR mistake. It's just okay, it happened. Yeah, learn from it, move forward, and it's hard to do especially if it's a big deal or a big decision or whatever and it doesn't go your way. But chances are you're going to lose more of those than win more of those. And there was only one team out of 30 that won the NBA Finals, and it's very hard to make it that far mm-hmm. and kind of have, have control of the Finals. All you needed to do was win you know, two of the last five games and you would have been NBA champions and you had home court advantage. And to, to, to lose that gracefully – I give them a lot of props. I think I want to go back to Giannis's quote a little bit. I like what you said about being able to make mistakes and move on. I think one thing I want to add, I wanted to add some color to that I noted here is that 
when we talk about focusing on the presence and we talk about like planning ahead, like it's easy, I, I think, to get confused. It's like, so does this mean, do I do, do, do I do planning? Do I plan three to five years out? When I hear focus on the present, if I'm thinking of this from my own business, from a business, a leadership standpoint, I think about that as like the habits you do on a daily basis, like that will help you reach your bigger goals. Like it's easy to say, you know, I want this many more followers on our social media, or I want to be doing X amount of revenue more next year than I am this year. But it's really about working backwards to, all right, if that's what I want to be, if that's where I want to be a year out, three years out, whatever it is, like, what am I going to do this month, this week, and this specific day that makes that happen? Because I think about that in terms of, like, my own podcast, my own business, the type of outreach that needs to go into it. And, and I'm sure, you know, that, that was one thing when I first heard the quote. It's like, well, how do you focus on the future, though, if you're focused on the present? So maybe I'm digging a little too deep I, I, th- I think you said it exactly how it needed to be said. Mm-hmm. I think you need those long-term goals to get you excited. Hey, I want to do a million dollars in revenue this year. That, that excites me. Yeah. That, that excites me enough to do the little shit on a daily basis that mm-hmm. – isn't that exciting because there's no immediate gratification to it, right? It's like I have, you know, it's been well documented on on my podcast that I had a bad panic attack a few years ago and have had anxiety issues that have stemmed from it. So my girlfriend likes to travel. I was scared to get on planes after that. So Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, that's the big goal. I want to get back to traveling again and not having to get all drugged up to hop on a flight. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What I had to do to get there was these breathing exercises every day and riding elevators because that triggered that response and just doing Mm -hmm. little stuff on a daily basis that I hated doing, but got me a little better every day. And then your brain starts getting rewired and things start getting easier. And you said it exactly. It's have a big vision that's going to get you excited. And then what are the eight things or five things that you need to do on a daily basis every day that might be tedious that you can just check off and okay, I'm, I'm, I'm getting closer. I made those 15 sales calls. I did whatever I needed to do and just creating a good process for yourself and not being so outcome focused and just trust that it's going to pay off over time. Mm -hmm. And especially if you're ambitious, people tend to really overestimate what they can accomplish in, in a week, a month, even a year sometimes. And they really underestimate what they can accomplish in three years, five years, 10 years. And then that usually gets them to move away from some of those little habits. But I think if, if you have that vision and you have patience and you're not stuck on a certain timeline and you just keep chipping away at those habits and keep focusing on getting a little better every day, it's, it's powerful. Oh, absolutely. And, and I think in addition to like doing, you know, we've been talking a lot about habits and humility so far. Another thing that, that stuck out, and I don't know what brought it up, but it just popped into my mind while, while you were talking through it. You know, when I think leadership, I also think, and I think I've, I've said this on other podcasts before, like you don't need the title to be a leader. You don't need to be a manager. You don't need to be a VP to be a leader. And I think about the Bucks. just, you know, we've talked about Giannis quite a bit, but there are a lot of other players in there that were stepping up at the right time or playing their role and doing the things that made it possible for that team to go all the way. What's a, maybe an example or, or one individual that sticks out when it comes to stepping up as a leader when it matters the most or stepping up on a regular basis? In the case of the finals, you've got Pat Connington or P.J. Tucker mm-hmm. or Bobby and just the energy and toughness in – P.J. Tucker is, I think, 37 mm-hmm. years old. Mm-hmm. You're happy for him for mm-hmm. getting a title because he's been around the league for so yeah. long. And no one really panicked 
at any point in time. It seemed they had confidence and they weren't getting rattled. You could tell there's that one moment where Chris Paul was all flustered and he was kind of wanting to pick a fight with Bobby Portis and he just stood Mm -hmm. there smiling. Yeah. It's like that calm and that toughness and and Bobby's getting the crowd all fired up. And those guys... Those guys brought something to the table, even if they weren't even scoring 10 points a game. Yeah. In Connington, he's a tough guy who's, you know, flying all over, grabbing rebounds. I think he mm-hmm. had more offensive rebounds than the Suns in one game or something. And it, just doing the little things. I just think back to the Hawks series before they made it to the finals, where when yeah, Giannis yeah. hyperextended his knee, we're like, well, it's over. But you had the team step up. You know, I was talking about Bobby earlier. Prime example. Game yeah. five, he, he brought it at that point. And even even Brooklyn, I know Brooklyn was very depleted, and the Bucks were very lucky that they were depleted, or they I think there's no way they would have won that series. But luck and timing do play a big mm-hmm. role in sports and business, and they took full advantage of it. And yeah. credit to the Bucks, but at the win game six at home, and then go on the road and beat Durant in his house. That's not easy to do, and they they stepped up. And Middleton had some just huge games mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, just seeing the whole team step up on a regular basis and when they needed to. I got to go back to that that Brooklyn series, though. I was not confident they were going to make it past them in Game 7 when Durant sunk that uh, shot to send it to overtime. I'm like, that. there goes our window right there. Well, Ke- Ke- Kevin, <laughs> Kevin Durant's a size 18 shoe. Mm-hmm. If he was a size 17 shoe, none of this would have happened. Sure. He's yeah. literally foot on the line maybe a side maybe he would have had to be in be a 15 or 16 but he was mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. his foot was right on that line and yeah if that didn't happen if Harden was full speed that would have mm-hmm. been a different series if Kyrie didn't go out that would have been a different series if the Nets were at full strength they looked so bad the Bucks looked so bad those first two games and I don't think there would have been any way that they would have won but again luck and timing like yeah. Luck and timing happens all the time in business and it happens in sports. And a lot of people aren't ready or aren't prepared to take advantage of those lucky breaks that they get. Mm-hmm. And the Bucks did. They took full advantage of it and you got to give them some credit. They were prepared to. So if I'm hearing this right, luck and timing, one of the big takeaways and being able to take advantage of that when it comes up. We started with humility, having that humble approach to leadership and the way you do your job that translates, like we were talking about, into daily habits. Um, And then regardless of your role in the organization, stepping up uh, as a leader on a regular basis as well as when it matters most. What what are we missing? Anything else jump out? Because I've been pulling from my notes so far, and I think it's funny that you and I both had like the first of the same two quotes. I'm not surprised about the Giannis one. The Monty Williams one uh, makes me a little more surprised. The, the only thing I have <laughs> that we didn't cover is it was very uncertain if Giannis was going to re-sign with Milwaukee mm-hmm. this year. Mm-hmm. It seemed like everyone was certain that he'd hang around because everything he's said and the messaging that he's put out over the last five years or since he joined the team is that he'd be a buck for life or till he brought a championship here or whatever. And then he didn't sign right away. And then he didn't sign for another week, another week, another week, another week. And it was just like, okay, what's what's going on? And all the pundits on TV were telling him to go sign in a bigger market for more exposure and because you need to go to a big market to attract other superstars and in everything but he chose to re-sign and we had greg marcus ceo of marcus corporation on Mm -hmm. our podcast a month or two ago 
and I asked him what's one piece of advice you'd give to young professionals and he said don't leave a really good party in search of a great one or a better one Ooh. don't leave a really good party in search of a better one I love that my man- my audience at manufacturing happy hour is going to be all about <laughs> that <laughs> but sometimes you don't realize how good something is and how the grass isn't always greener and Giannis chose to resign and stick it out and you could tell in his post-game interviews how proud he is of not going to a super team and getting the job done in Milwaukee as tempting as some of those other markets could have been for a young superstar to go to and everything that comes along with it but Kevin Durant exactly exactly <laughs> Durant Harden all, all those all those LeBron did it a lot of people have done it over the years I mean Kareem left Milwaukee to go to LA back mm-hmm. in the day it's it's mm-hmm. not this is the era of big markets and player mobility, but Mm -hmm. people think it just started with LeBron James. It's been going around for a long time or people chasing rings. And, and I think Giannis bringing the Larry O'Brien trophy to a small market like Milwaukee, that's wallet and mediocrity for decades and just owning this city opposed to just being another guy to bring one to Golden State or to Miami or New York or wherever. I think this ring is probably worth five or ten golden state rings where he could have just showed up and and did it there so i think there's something that to be said for staying the course and sticking it out yeah yeah love that no don't leave a good party for a great one or a great what was it was it a great party don't don't leave a great party in search of a better one okay something like that yeah, I was going to say, I could see myself leaving a good party if I'm like, oh, well, the best party in the world is down the street. But I wouldn't leave a great party just on the optimistic outlook that there might be a better one. So, no, yeah, I like the I way think, you I think a lot that. of people, whether they, they have their business, they're not – you might get used to something. You might not be thankful for what you have around you or think that's so special. And there's times to jump ship. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. I'm sure, not telling everyone sure. to, hey, if you start a business in – you fall out of love with it or you're not passionate about it, then you got to take a deep look in the mirror and maybe it's maybe it's time for the next thing or you're in a role at a company and you're not fulfilled or you're not happy there. I'm talking about if you are happy doing something and you want to get something done, being able to block out yeah. some of those external yep. external forces, whether it's your peer group or your parents or whoever who thinks you might be better off down this different path. Hey, if you have a vision and you're trying to accomplish something, like and that makes you happy and fulfilled Mm -hmm. like good for you yeah goes goes back to focusing on you know staying focused on the present having that humility right there i didn't mean to partially contradict your point you just made because i agree with your point i think just because it's friday afternoon and i'm thinking about (laughs) you know you know having another beverage because we are i want i want want to make sure i got the quote right (laughs) too yes well we are uh in true manufacturing happy hour fashion having a beverage as we record this on uh friday afternoon celebrating with the champagne of beers you've got a line and kugels right i got a line and kugels over here shout out to those guys great people over at line and kugels oh yeah Absolutely. Well, we couldn't we couldn't not drink um, some local no, Wisconsin la- beer. Last time local, we got together, it was, it was on a Thursday, and since I don't drink Sunday through Thursday, I just sat there and watched you watched you drink a beer. Yeah, I know. I, I, I was I, very jealous about it. <laughs> I knew what I was getting myself into, but I scheduled that meeting at the wrong place, the wrong time. Eagle Park I know, Brewing. I, 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 brought, I brought up Eagle Park Brewing. Yeah, I was like, we true. should go meet there. They got a nice outdoor patio. I, they I do. did enjoy sitting they there do. and sipping on a water. Still. Mm-hmm. 
It was. It was Would've preferred an IPA, but yeah. No, I, I hear you. It was only. It was only for one round too. We it were was. just. We were just catching up. I had just moved back. We hadn't gotten to, to sit across the table from one another yet. But uh, for those listening, uh, Eagle Park Brewing, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Eagle Park's great a good spot. spot. They got one in Muskego. I go to the one right off Brady Street. Yeah. It's walkable. Yep. I can bring my puppy back on the patio. Mm, yeah, it's not. So your office is located just south of where I live in Bayview. I'm on the other side of town down here. So this was a, a nice hop, skip, and a jump away to, good, to make good. it down here. So, you know, as we wrap up, a um, lot yeah, of Enla- Enlightened Brewery in Bayview is a good spot. Oh, yeah. They're kind of like kind of near like the factory areas, right? Yeah, like some of the grain are. elevators that's, and things like that. Yeah, that's a good spot. Yeah, so for for those listening who are not familiar with Milwaukee, which is going to be my last question, by the way, uh, we're talking like breweries that are on the south side versus like north of downtown, per se, for context. But um, if you listen to Manufacturing Happy Hour, I'll have those in the show notes for sure. So, but anyway, speaking of Milwaukee, you know, I haven't talked to my friends outside of here yet, really, but do you think Milwaukee's on the map now? Think people are paying a little more attention to this uh, old Rust Belt city here uh, in the northern Midwest? This, This definitely helped it. Yeah. I don't know how it couldn't have. With the footage that's been on mm-hmm. nas- all over national TV the last couple weeks, those shots—it it was cool it's watching crazy. watching ESPN and seeing the aerial shots of the Deer District and mm-hmm. just of the city in general and how beautiful the city is. So, yeah, I would say Milwaukee is definitely on the map more. Which I'm happy for the city that this happened because 2020. Most of the people listening to your podcast would not know, but. We were supposed to have the Democratic National Convention. We were going to host that, which yeah. was going to bring 50 or 100,000. I don't remember the, the exact number, but mm-hmm. a lot of money and a lot of people into the city and shine the national spotlight on Milwaukee from a political standpoint. And that was mm-hmm. all done remotely. The Bucks, I think if they didn't go to the bubble, would have had a exactly. similar run last Same. year. They were the number one seed out of the East. I don't know if they would have made the finals, but good chance the Nets hadn't assembled the super team yet that they that mm-hmm. they would have made it or at least got to the conference finals and the city would have gone pretty crazy over that. And then the, the Ryder cup for those golf fans is an hour up the, up the road. And we would have been in the national spotlight for that. And luckily that just got postponed uh, this October. So coming up soon, but yeah, Milwaukee arguably got hit as hard as any mid market city in the country last year, based on the opportunities that it had in front of itself. Summerfest, largest music festival mm-hmm. in the country, was canceled mm-hmm. last year. That'll be going on in September this year. So a lot of good things coming back to the city. Yeah. No, I, I remember hearing a couple of people talk about that. Because, yeah, those were three big events right there that probably would have happened that ended up not going down. So the fact that we're going to be two for three now, Ryder Cup coming up in September, that'll be big. I already have some buddies crashing on the floor at my place because they're like, Chris, we can't find a hotel anywhere. So it's like, well, I've, I've got a quote-unquote hotel available. Very, very and by kindly. that I mean a guest room and a – air mattress but anyway we could <laughs> we could talk about that all day long but no i think it was i mean it was it's i don't think i've seen any other city like that with i mean it just looked like a it looked like a mosh pit every freaking night <laughs> just like a sea of people like it was, it was. we're talking like woodstock 99 stuff except without limp biscuit so um <laughs> anyway we're, we're we're getting off topic here but no great great time for milwaukee from marketing to leadership hope everyone listening is has pulled some nuggets from here i know one of my favorite things is always looking at athletes and trying to figure out what from a business standpoint, from a life standpoint, can I pull from this? So, Richie, I'm glad we got to, to meet up for this conversation today. Yeah, it's great seeing you. Great actually drinking a beer with you, and yeah. we'll have to do it again sometime. Sounds good. One final cheers and bucks and six. Cheers, buddy. Bucks and six. <laughs> hey, thanks for listening. 
Hope you enjoyed this unique twist on manufacturing happy hour as well as taking away what you needed to from this episode. Richie and I did cover a lot of ground from brand to loyalty, from humility in the face of mistakes. So I hope you picked up some nuggets along the way as we mentioned in today's conversation. I want to give a shout out to Richie before we wrap things up. Uh, If you couldn't tell, we were actually recording this so we could release it on both of our podcasting platforms. And Richie does an incredible job over at the Go-Getters podcast. So if you want to check out that podcast, just know that this episode is basically the same thing over there, repurposed for his audience. But highly recommend subscribing if you are into more business leadership marketing material. The easiest spot to find that is over at ggmm.io. That'll take you to the Go Get It Marketing and Media website. As a call to action from this episode, I do want to change things up a little bit. I know I mentioned, hey, leaving a five-star rating and review on iTunes at the start. That's great if you want to do that. But I'd love it if you shared this episode with someone that is into sports and is also a business leader, whether that's in manufacturing or otherwise. I think uh, if you enjoyed this episode, think of someone that might also enjoy this. The easiest way to do that is let them know you can listen to it on their favorite podcasting platform. But I am going to create a link at Manufacturing happyhour.com slash bucks to make it easy for someone to access this episode. So if you know someone that might want to hear this one, manufacturinghappyhour.com slash bucks is the easiest way to get to the podcast. Before we wrap up, I know we ran this episode ad-free, but I do want to thank two of our sponsors before the show ends today. First, one of our newer sponsors, Trinet. They are involved in human capital services and HR support for small to medium-sized businesses. So if you're a small manufacturer and you're looking for someone that can help you navigate your payroll challenges, any areas as your business starts to grow where you need that HR help, Trinet is a great group to turn to. You can find all about their manufacturing resources at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash Trinet. And if you want to learn more about them, check out episode 34, where we interview them to learn all about what they're doing in the manufacturing world when it comes to HR. Then finally, want to thank one of our sponsors that's been here pretty much through all of 2021, Gen Alpha. They are the e-commerce company for B2B manufacturers. So if you are an OEM, if you are a distributor, or if you are a parts dealer, you're going to want to listen to this because the folks over at Gen Alpha are absolute experts when it comes to health helping your customers find the right part when they need it and make it very, very easy to order that part and get it from the right spot. So highly recommend checking out Gen Alpha. You can learn more about Gen Alpha on episode 35, where we interviewed their COO and president, Christina Harrington. You can get there by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash Gen Alpha. And with that, we're getting back to our regularly scheduled interviews next week. We've got a big one coming up. We've got Microsoft coming on the show. So in the meantime, stay innovative, stay thirsty. We'll catch you again next time. Go Bucks. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing Happy Hour. Powered by the Industrial Network.